Hey everybody, what's going on? My name is Rob Payone, and welcome to the Proof of Talent podcast, the show where we talk about everything related to the career journey within the blockchain, crypto, and Web3 space. Today, I have a really great interview. It is with Margaret Gabriel, who is the head of talent at CoinFund, one of the top and, and I guess, longest standing venture funds in the crypto space. And we had a, a wide-ranging discussion about not just recruiting, but the things that companies do around recruiting and the importance of them. And so this topic, I think, is especially very useful for founders and people involved in the hiring process within organizations, but also something that is notable and helpful for job seekers and candidates because it is things that you can look for that help to demonstrate what a good company is doing and maybe what a company that you shouldn't be working at is is doing. So this discussion, it started around recruiting, but it really delved into topics around just the general outlook of performance and engagement and culture and things of that sort that are really very important and things that you might not think about when you are recruiting or when you are looking for a new opportunity, but they are as important, if not more important, than the recruiting process itself. Before we hop into the interview, if you are looking for new opportunities within the crypto and Web3 space, if you're looking for that next job opportunity or the first one within the industry, please feel free to go to the Proof Talent website. I'll put links below in the YouTube and podcast description. You can reach out, submit your resume there, and we can get back to you as quick as we possibly can. On the flip side, if your company is hiring, if you're looking to add talent, I will also put a link below in the YouTube and podcast description. Happy to have a conversation about how our team at Proof of Talent can help you to find great people for your organization. Let's hop into that interview now with Margaret Gabriel. Well, thanks, Margaret, for joining the Proof of Talent podcast. Really appreciate it. And you're somebody who's been in the talent space within the crypto industry now for quite a bit of time from, I think, 2018 until now. How have things maybe changed in the space from a, from a hiring perspective from 2018 until we are right now in August of 2023? Yeah, it's a complicated question in that um, there's a lot of different factors, of course, that come into hiring for any industry. So market trends, the larger economic um, conditions. But for crypto specifically, the biggest change I see is just deeper and deeper expertise expected and required for roles. So what I mean by that is when I was starting at Gemini in 2018 and building out, um, helping, supporting, building out those teams, um, our perspective essentially was crypto experience not always required. Uh, pretty rare where we saying that somebody has to have deep crypto experience. And the expectation was that most people are not going to have crypto experience. Um, and there's going to be great talent that we need to attract to the space overall. Um, and we were at that point competing with other just Web2 tech companies that were looking for great technical talent that were looking. And Gemini um, was fintechs so who were also competing with financial industry, the hedge funds of the world, um, the banks of the world. And so we were trying to not just pitch Gemini, but really pitch crypto um, to people who didn't have a ton of crypto experience or maybe just had experience in their own personal investing um, or their own personal interests. Things have definitely changed, especially as now in this role, as I'm supporting the hiring of our portfolio companies, all of whom, of course, are focused on crypto and Web3 initiatives, where the expectation is actually that they need crypto-native people. Um, not for every role, not exclusively, but 
the expectation is that people have crypto in their vernacular. They have maybe potentially built some crypto experience from a professional standpoint, not just having deep passion for or investing in crypto themselves. So that is definitely the change, which is, again, just people, founders and hiring managers needing to see people already having some crypto nativity. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point. It's been, it's been interesting over the past four years, five years now, seeing the number of entrants into the space. And then people have made you know, changes or multiple changes in their career within the industry. So I think there's been a, a lot of learnings for those individuals along the way. One thing I'm curious about is I feel like you have an interesting perspective on this is the relationship between leadership development and, and hiring. So I believe that's something you had a good bit of, of work on with, with both Gemini and with, uh, with where you're at right now with CoinFund. I'd love to just hear like how leadership development might, if at all, impact that, the hiring landscape internally for a company. Totally. I love this topic. So in general, what I love about CoinFund is our mission, which is to champion the leaders of the new internet, powered by foresight as active investors, and the goal is to achieve extraordinary results. Um, and when I think about championing leaders of the new internet, those founders, those hiring managers, um, they come to us you know, as, our, as their investor a lot of the times with um, an ask for pipeline, right? I need help hiring. I need help hiring. That's usually their request of CoinFund when it comes from a people related aspect. Um, and as our head of people and talent, my job is to support the people and talent related challenges that our founders are facing. And what makes hiring, I think, really, really hard um, for hiring managers and for founders is that it's oftentimes, I think, looked at as a standalone initiative. So there's hiring and then there's everything else about the business. And in reality, what we try to help our founders understand and what we try to do at CoinFund is to actually see hiring as one of three kind of core interdependent and equally important components of talent. And so to think about hiring as just one piece of your overall talent strategy. So if you were thinking about, and I'll go into this, but what do you think about like um, a wheel with three parts? Um, the first part is engagement. What I mean by that is how mentally and emotionally committed are the people that you have on the team to your mission and vision of your, of your company and team? So how much do people feel driven by the mission? How excited are they to work there? How much do they feel like an owner of that company? Really meaning, I see this place as part of my responsibility and that it's my job to ensure this company is successful and I feel personally responsible for that. That's engagement, right? How committed are they in the long term? Do they see themselves working there in a couple of years? Would they recommend this place as a fantastic place to work? Right? If we don't have really high engaged people, we can actually get to the second part of talent in this strategy, which is performance. Really engaged teams tend to perform well because those people feel personally responsible and deeply connected to the company. So if we have really high-performing teams, those really high-performing teams actually become your best recruitment, which is the third part of that circle, that becomes your recruitment secret weapon. Because as you probably know, Rob, the best, the biggest predictor of somebody saying, yes, I want to join the team are the people they meet in the interview process. So if you're meeting exceptional people who are really smart, super engaged, 
feel like you're going to level up by working with those people, you're much more likely to get excited and accept that offer. So engagement, performance, and hiring are these three, again, interdependent, equally important components of like the talent flywheel. And they all have to be paid attention to. And if you were thinking about this like mental model, at the top of that, that wheel would be leadership. So what I mean by that are, do the people who run the company, who make the decisions for the company, do they understand that it's their responsibility to be in action should any of those three components get dropped? or lose momentum. If we lose engagement, we don't have high performers and it becomes really hard to recruit really good talent. So when a founder comes to me and says, I want the best talent in the world, and it's really hard for me to find them. My first question isn't actually about their hiring process or who the talent you're looking for, or what's your interview process look like? My question is actually, how engaged are your people? And what does the performance of your team look like? And this is why hiring is really, really hard. It's because it requires managers and founders sometimes, depending on who you're working with, to have a deep understanding of those other parts of the business, a talent, engagement, and performance, and to feel really responsible for those parts of, of um, the talent pool also. Because if you, don't have, if you don't have engagement, if you don't have performance, you cannot recruit well. Um, so I'm happy to go into any of that in more detail, but I think that's what makes hiring really hard. Um, and it's, it's really important that managers understand that hiring is really like a, a deep dive into into leadership and to leadership training in a lot of ways. Yeah, those are those are all very good points. And I think, like you said, it, it starts at the top. And I, I think in, in almost all aspects of a business, it kind of starts at the top. And and what leaders do is is directly affects the rest of, of the business and kind of reflects in, in that manner. But I do think that's a great point and something that's ignored often because when you think about the hiring process or just like recruiting in general. I feel like oftentimes you get to the subject of, all right, we need top of funnel, then we need to have an efficient interview process, then we need to have, you know, a good offer and you know, things things around like that particular aspect of things. But it's it's a really good thing to think about is, you know, the rest of how these things function of are your people engaged? Are they going to represent you well in in an interview process? Are they performing well? Because if the company's not optimally functioning, like you said, you're really just, it's going to be quite a bit of a struggle to like, you could run the most efficient interview process of all time. But if your company doesn't look great to somebody who is chatting with, you know, with your people internally, or your people internally aren't happy, that's really going to hurt you in the long run. Totally. And um, to kind of piggyback on that a little bit, the other thing that's you mentioned performance, and this is one of the most critical pieces too. um, is when you know a hiring manager again comes to us or comes to their founder and says, I need to hire. Um, the first question really that we want to ask that manager is, well, how is your current team performing? And I say that because we all know that employee salary is the biggest cost at any most organizations. And we want managers to start to feel incredibly responsible, like radically responsible for budget. And in a funny way, I think we expect that and, and managers understand that when it comes to a lot of other budgetary asks. But hiring sometimes kind of doesn't get thought of in the same way. And in a lot of ways, in most ways, I would say, hiring is actually a budgetary exercise. And what I always try to encourage managers and founders to do, what we try to do at CoinFund, is to help empower managers to feel 
Like they need to write a true business case to make a hire. They're basically coming to their founder and to the, into the business and saying, I'm willing to ask for a substantial amount of money, potentially money I would take away from our current employees to hire this person. And I'm doing that because of either one of two reasons, right? One, my team is already optimally performing. They are excellent. Every single person I would hire again, or just either missing a specific, a specific skill set that we just don't have and is critical to the business. And here's why I've written it down. Or secondly, we're understaffed, right? There's just too much volume of work that, that my team can handle without them burning out and without us losing any of those people. If we're not hiring for those reasons, and if we're not already looking really clearly and honestly about the performance of our current team when we go to ask for headcount, we really risk actually creating bloat on teams. And that can be just a humongous suck of funds for any startup or any company in general. That's how you get bloat. That's how you get mediocre performing teams because you're hiring around an average performer and underperformer instead of having a tough conversation that maybe that person's not performing. And so this is what I mean by like hiring is not just this exclusive thing. It has so much underneath it around the leadership of the hiring manager. So is that hiring manager an excellent manager? Do the people who report to them understand what they're responsible for? Are they meeting expectations? Those should be things that are talked about at a hiring kickoff before we just run out of role full sprint and try to understand what the role profile, ideal profile looks like and go to market. Founders should be asked, managers should be asking themselves, okay, what's the business case for this hire? How is my team performing now that makes this request actually a responsible and prudent ask for budget? What is my budget going to be? And writing all those things down in a really clear way and investing all this time up front so that you can actually go to market in a way that makes sense. The other component I would say um, falls under this like, why train why um hiring is a crash course in leadership so you have the performance management piece but you also have to get people on board with you around that hire and that takes really important communication another critical skill for any manager are you communicating and over communicating with your team about why you're hiring especially if you're a founder and your team is small and you're going to market for another role what you want to avoid is chatter and disagreement and confusion around why you're hiring this another person at that profile. I can't tell you how much time is wasted, like valuable mental energy that's wasted on a team having side discussions about why they disagree with going to market for that hire or why they don't think that candidate is the right candidate. And what a great manager does is gets ahead of that, over communicates, creates like a mini comms plan around why we're hiring for this person being radically transparent around the need. I've done my due diligence. We're a great performing team. Here's the business case for the hire. Here's why it's so important for us. And here's how it's going to help all of you. Here's how it's going to help the company. It's a win for all outcome. Without doing that, right, a lot of bad things can happen. One, you can risk people not being, again, people wasting their time, kind of worrying and having side conversations about a hire because they don't get it or they're not bought in. Secondly, when you start actually interviewing people, right? If you have if you have interviewers who are not bought into the role or don't understand why the position is so important, 
they're not going to get good data from the interview, and they're not going to create a great experience for that potentially awesome talent that you would actually want for your company. So hiring, again, it's not, and I'll say this a million times during our conversation today, it's not just about hiring. It's about all these other really important components of leadership, like performance management and communication and budget. These are all super important parts of hiring. And if you don't get those things right, it becomes really, really hard to hire the person and then integrate them post-hire as well. Yeah, these are these are all fun topics, especially on this podcast. Like we we talk about a lot of the the practice specifically on the recruiting side of the house and not as much on the like the internal, I guess, people or like the culture and, and just a lot of the the management that goes into that. And there were a lot of really uh, interesting points there. And and even things just like as a leader at Proof of Talent myself, like that I've had to to deal with and, and think about and things that you know you might not be cognizant of or an employee will bring up to you. And I think that's like a lot of it does come down to communication internally, because I think that's from a management standpoint, communicating why you're doing something and not letting people internally speculate on the reasoning in which that's happening, whether it's hiring somebody for another role is that, is it somebody that's going to take my job? Is it somebody that's too senior or, you know, more senior than me and and they're getting paid more? Like there are so many different factors. I think that come into the discussion. And if you don't get ahead of that, like you said, then you can really allow issues to kind of fester where they don't need to be. Just if you had the chance to communicate more internally. 100%. And here's the reality that I think all leaders need to face, which is if you don't tell people or if you don't over communicate around why a decision is being made, people will make up the reason for you. They will. It is very hard for anybody, especially an employee who is being who is working probably really hard at your company and putting in sweat equity. It's really, really hard for people to live in uncertainty. It's very hard for anyone to say, I don't really know why we're hiring for that person. And maybe I should go you know, find out and have a, put a one-on-one with my founder and ask why we're hiring that new CTO. That's not going to happen, right? Unless you're an unbelievably psychologically safe company. And if so, that's awesome. But people will make up the reasons for you. And they'll usually just from like an evolutionary (laughs) standpoint, they're going to make up a bad reason. They're going to make up a reason that's threatening. They're going to be prepared for the worst. So again, it just like the goal, I think of a lot of, um, leaders should be to make the implicit explicit to not assume that anybody understands why you're hiring for who you're hiring and to try your best to remove any valuable like rent mental rent that's being taken up by topics that just don't need to to exist like chatter about a hire that because you're not being clear um this is especially important, Rob, I would say, when we're talking about senior hires. Mm-hmm. So this gets like amplified, like the, the the amp goes up a lot when you're talking about hiring for senior people or layering somebody, all those complex people um, pieces. Those searches are really, really hard. If all of this like post, um, like the investment part of setting out the plan for the hire don't happen. Um, so we really have to over communicate those things too. Yeah, that's uh, totally agree in terms of the the seniority and how that that ratchets up, especially because there's so many multiple layers there. One of the things I'm I'm curious on because performance being one of those kind of key pillars that 
coincides with hiring. How do you think about like, how should a, a founder or just somebody in the management standpoint, like how should they view that crossover between performance management and hiring? And do you have any specific, I guess, words of wisdom or pieces of advice uh, on, on how performance management like relates more to the hiring uh, process? Absolutely. So um, I think almost like what we're talking about in terms of having a kickoff to a hire being really, really clear, requiring managers to literally write down and document why they're making a hire, the business case, the budget they plan on spending, holding people accountable to that in writing is super important. It creates like a sense of real responsibility for, for managers. I would say it's really important to replicate that for performance. It is really hard for people to perform well if they don't know what's expected of them. And when people don't know what's expected of them, sometimes they actually think they're performing really well and you don't. And then they go to hire because you're not performing. That conversation has never happened. So I think what the first thing that managers can do, and it's to me, it's never too early, is to either write down or overly communicate what your expectations are for excellence in the on the team and to let people know constantly how they're performing, right? And to let them know expectations are being met or they're not. And if we can get into that cadence, if a, if a, if a manager can get really clear around what's expected of their team, they can manage performance so much better. And that makes hiring that much better also. Like that flywheel happens. You have a high performing team because you're so diligent about performance and that that high performing team attracts amazing talent at your organization. So the more you can actually focus on performance management, the easier your recruiting becomes. I kind of one of my um one of the managers I used to work really closely with and a good friend at Gemini, he was um head of one of our cybersecurity teams. He made this great analogy. He was a big soccer player and he was like when you're um playing soccer, right? The best teams in the world when they pass to each other, they're passing not where the where the other player is right now. They're passing ahead, right? They kick the ball yards in front because they anticipate that 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 their teammate is going to be sprinting right down the field. And so it doesn't help me if I punt him the ball way behind him. He's already up the field, and now we've missed the play. So my job is to anticipate where he's going to be, right, so that he can keep momentum and like capitalize on that pass. You want to think about in, like investing in the performance of your team and hiring and engagement in that same way, right? We need, and this is like why we talk about foresight as part of our brand at Gemini. Managers need to be, of course, reacting to what's happening, but also proactively thinking about their talent. So how can you invest right now and anticipate what your team, what could happen, right? If you don't have really clear performance conversations, if you don't budget accurately for your hire. If you don't do the like pre-work of writing down exactly what you need out of a hire and why it's going to solve a problem for the business and what it's going to cost, all of that investment up front allows you to like make that pass instead of being reactive to everything. So um, I would say if we can like constantly just document, document, document and have like pause with your executive team. I know it sounds like no one ever has enough time, but if you can sit down with your executive team and write down, what do we expect of people? Like, what does it mean at our company to be a high performer? It means something different 
for every company? What do we mean? And then how can we communicate that to people so that they're also really clear on what high performance looks like? And so when we go to hire, we have a really transparent reason why, because we've already communicated about performance. People understand where they stand and we understand why we're making this hire. And guess what? By doing those two things, people are going to be more engaged because they're going to have transparency and they're going to say, this is a great place to work. Our leaders are so transparent with us. I never know, never confused on where I stand with performance. I'm motivated. I get feedback. Those things drive up engagement. And then again, the flywheel starts. Um, so I'll pause there. I know that was a lot. No, that was, that was really good. And, and I think foresight is just thinking ahead of time is, is really important because that's, that's even one thing that like I've noticed is that there's just so much stuff happening on a day-to-day basis. If you're not thinking at least a decent amount into the future, like I am not the type of person at all. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are where I'm like, all right, I have a one-year plan of of this. I have two, like, I can't think that far out when it comes to the business. Sure. But like, if you're not thinking for me, it's like three, six month increments and like one, three, six month increments, things like that, where if I don't think about them, in specific timeframes, like just the the days fly, the weeks fly. And then you look up six months later and you're like, oh, we really need to hire this person. And we haven't. And then it takes another two months to hire the person. Totally. And now it's a fire drill. And now I've potentially lowered my standards because of how urgent it feels to hire this person. And you know what? I'll, we'll do the communication piece about why it's so important to hire this person later. People just have to deal with it. Right. Like it, it, that, that drives that engagement. It drives up the chatter and like you break that cycle. And I, I just want to like normalize and validate for managers that it is super common for different parts of those flywheel to fall off. And that's okay. I'm not saying they should never fall off, but it's managers and leadership's job to notice when that's happening and directly be in action about it. Um, and I'm not talking, I foresight can be a week ahead. And what I mean by that from hiring is, if your priority, right, is to hire somebody and it's to hire your CMO because you really need to, you know, build brand mindshare. Mindshare is a big word we use at CoinFund. Um, and that's a huge critical need for the business. It's talked about by the board. It's talked about by the employees all the time. We're saying it's a priority out loud. But my recommendation for any person who's hiring is to mark out 30 minutes at the end of your week on Friday, it's untouchable. You're not, no one's allowed to schedule over it. And it simply means just looking at your next week. Take a look at your calendar the next week. If you don't have interviews set up to, for a head of marketing or a CMO, you're actually not prioritizing it because your time is actually not matching what you're saying your priorities are, what the priority for the business actually is. So these there are little ways you can build foresight and proactivity into your work as a manager. And it can simply just be, does my time next week actually align with what I know I need needs to happen? And that can be from a hiring perspective. It can be from a performance management perspective. Oh, my team isn't performing. We really need to, you know, fix X, Y, and Z. This person really needs feedback. We need to put this person in a pip. If your next week doesn't have any of those calls scheduled, you're actually not doing anything about it. So foresight can also be a little bit more digestible because I think it can be really intimidating to founders and managers who are drinking from the fire hose to say, oh, and by the way, you also have to be thinking about a five-year plan to your point. It can feel super overwhelming. <laughs> so 
we can break it down into week inter- increments. I'm, I'm, I'm much more on board with you in the, in the week by week than I am on a five-year plan. So um, you know, going from performance to the engagement side of the house, and, and I'm not sure if this is maybe the same thing or not, mm-hmm. um, but from like a, a culture standpoint and like how that relates to engagement, would you consider those to be the same thing or like how does the internal culture affect engagement within a company? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. And I know these things can feel like a little esoteric. Um, I think that if I were to define culture, I think culture is all about what it feels like to work at the company. So what I mean by that is how do we speak to each other? What are our company values? And are those written down, by the way? And do we actually live by those values? Do we hire by those values and performance managed by those values? Um, how do people make decisions at the company? So who are decision makers? And am I allowed to, am I empowered to make a decision? Or do things always funnel up to the executive team? Um, are we flat? Are we not flat? Um, how do we interact? Do we work from home? Are we in the same building, right? Those um, how do people dress? Like those are all like real components of culture. Um, are we transparent? And I think like that is actually that transparency piece has an interesting dovetail into engagement. So mm. when I define engagement, um, I think about that differently, which is somebody's emotional or mental commitment to the company. So of course, high engagement and high cult and like great culture are they absolutely impact each other, but, and usually companies with great cultures tend to have a higher level of engagement um, because it's wonderful to work there and people treat each other well, or at least they treat each other in a way that that person likes to be treated because they've decided to join a specific type of culture. So a culture of Bridgewater looks very different than a culture at CoinFund. That looks very different than a culture at Google. All those things feel different. All those places feel different when you're working. But engagement, actually, how you measure engagement stays the same despite the culture, which is, again, how committed do people feel to the company? You want to think about engagement, Rob, almost like the net promoter score of your employees. So if you were building a product, the net promoter score would be for your customer. And they would say, you would you would ask them, how likely are you to recommend this product to the next person? If you go onto Amazon and read all of the reviews about a product, like what do those reviews look like? That's kind of what we think about with engagement. With engagement, your people are kind of like your customers and they're sharing, here's what it feels like to work here. Here's how engaged I am. Here's how committed I am to the company. I see myself working here. If I met the most talented person in the world, I would beg them to come work with us because it's such a great place to work. That's what we mean by engagement. And what's really interesting is that um, engagement is not just and I talk to our founders about this a lot because it can sound a little like soft, like, okay, it's great that people feel good, but like, how's that going to impact whether or not we perform? Because it's very, very true that you can be on a likable team that's not performing. So that's, this is why engagement alone isn't enough. It has to impact performance. So the data shows that high, highly engaged teams, and they, these are measured by surveys that are like across multiple companies. Teams and companies that have a higher engagement scores earn more money per share, sometimes more about 90% more earnings per share. And so it actually has a direct impact on the success of the company, which makes sense, right? If people are happy and they're committed and they feel like this is a 
this is a place I want to spend time and I feel responsible. It makes sense that they'd probably be a higher performing team, recruit better talent, all the things that we know actually produce business outcome. Um, but then interestingly, this is going to make such a nice like bow to the, the way we started this conversation. But what's really interesting is that then people will ask, okay, well, if we know that higher engagement leads to more earnings for a company, what's the biggest predictor of a team having high engagement? What's the, what's the one thing that if we had to work on would definitely mean that we would get a higher, higher engaged team. And again, the data shows one thing outperforms all of the, is the most predictive measure of high engaged teams, which is people's manager. So questions like my manager cares about me as a human being, or I've had feedback from my manager in the past six months. Those types of questions are actually the most predictive of a company having higher engagement and therefore being better performing and therefore recruiting more strongly. So if you were to, if I were to like give any advice to any founder or hiring manager out there today, it would be invest in your managers being great managers, because that is more than whether you work remote or not, whether or not you have great snacks, whether or not your pay is incredible. So keep that in mind too. If you can develop your managers to be excellent managers, you're going to have higher engaged teams, you're going to have higher performing teams, and then you're going to be able to recruit better, which is, again, back to our point earlier of recruitment doesn't exist in a silo. It requires really good managers. Um, so I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that was that 100% made sense. And I think even like taking it back to recruitment now, because one of the things I think is interesting on the engagement aspect is, and I 100% agree with you, I think it's very, and this is mostly anecdotal on, on my end, like I, I'm not super fancy with like net promoter scores internally or anything like that, but the people that enjoy what they do typically perform the best. The people that want to there, sometimes you have situations where some people really love what they do and some people just for whatever reason don't. And that might be through the fault of the company. That might be the individual, some combination of it. But if you have those engaged individuals, I think that they are clearly folks that you can build a, a company around and that will have a higher likelihood. They might not always, like you said, they might not always perform perfectly. You can like your job and still be not very good at it at all. But I think there's a higher likelihood of that individual doing very well at it if they do actually like what they do for a living. However, um, going to that, and I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I think it kind of looping back into the recruiting side of the house kind of goes towards how you present the company in the recruiting process, because I think you can't always tell right off the bat or in an interview process, no matter how good it is, if somebody is going to maybe be engaged. But do you think that there are things you can do in the interview process itself, be it questions or just ways in which you present your company to make it like very clear, like, hey, this is the type of you know, this is the type of culture that we have. This is the type of employee that we have that's engaged here. Or is it just as simple as meet the people on the team? And if you vibe with them, then, you know, you're going to be an engaged employee here too. Totally. In this, in this, um, I think there's like, this is an interesting topic because the manager in recruiting, we're always balancing between like recruiting and selling, right? So we're constantly trying to evaluate and assess who's going to be the right 
talent for this hire and for us and for our culture and for who's going to drive up engagement and performance on our team, right? So you want to be thinking, okay, now that I have this talent lens that I'm thinking through, I'm going to start asking questions that evaluate whether or not this person is also going to drive up engagement. They're going to drive up the performance of the team. They're going to come in and elevate everybody um, from a talent perspective. You want to be then crafting questions that are not just about the role, right, but are about like how the person performs the role and to assess if they're going to be like um, value additive in those in those talent areas. Are they a great recruiter? Do they interview really well? Or right, those are the types of questions you want to ask too. But so you're evaluating candidates. They're also evaluating you and you are starting to sell candidates that you really especially love. I'm a big believer that every candidate should be sold because it's super important for your employer brand. You want candidates, even if they are very, very far away from the mark of what you're going to hire. And you know from the second you're interviewing them that it's not going to be the right hire, you should still sell those people because those people talk to other talent and you want to build that reputation amongst everybody that you're an excellent place to work and a really smart place to work and that people are going to grow and um, be excited by working here. They're the right talent, of course, for your organization. So in terms of um, them understanding a little bit more about you and your culture, I'm a huge fan of like, show me, don't tell me um, to your point about like meeting more people. And I think that can look that can, depending on your company culture, that can take a lot of different forms. That can mean, hey, outside of the interview process, you and I are going to go get dinner and we're going to like have a real conversation. Or I want you to meet this other person on the team that has nothing to do with my team. It, they're on a completely separate team. They're on the finance team. And I want you to go meet that person and, and see what it's like to work here from their perspective, having nothing to do with the product that you're going to be working on. Um, maybe it means, hey, we're actually going to a company um, happy hour and we'd love for you to join and just come and see what it's like to to work, to be out in the world with us. Um, that could mean literally having them sign an NDA and come to a team meeting you have and see like, this is how we operate. This is the way that we make decisions. This is how we communicate. Of course, all of that depends on your leadership and your culture and your comfort with transparency. But I think it's a hundred percent show don't tell because just like I was saying with the example of saying something's a priority, but then not having your calendar match it, you can tell a candidate all day long what you know they'd love to hear about how great your company is. But the best way for them to really know it is to show them. Absolutely, and. I could probably talk to you about this stuff all day long, say, hey, there's so much to go into it. But you mentioned, obviously, the importance of managers in the employee experience and, and kind of what's the make or break um, aspect of, of how a manager manages. I'm curious if there's any advice or anything there in particular that you would, you've seen be successful in terms of helping Let's say it's a a new mat. Somebody gets promoted from an individual contributor role to a management position, or it is just a new hire externally, and you want to you know, help them improve to be a manager. Like, what are the ways that people can companies can make sure that their managers are uh, you know, as as good as they need to be, or better to to be successful? Yeah, I have a pretty simple answer to that, which is you need to train people. And people need to get trained. And that doesn't have to be a formal training that you pay a lot of money for somebody to come in and run a course. That could mean shadowing a manager at the company who does this really well. That could mean, hey, you're promoted to manager at a company. Here are two books you absolutely need to read. They're the best in class books on leadership. And it's my expectation of you as your manager now that you read those. And we're going to talk about them actually in a month when, they're, when you're done. But you need to train people. So um, you wouldn't 
I heard this analogy, you know, company like employees at Subway get trained at McDonald's get trained at any other like business usually get a training to do that job. And we're talking about roles that are probably a lot more complex than roles in the service industry, for example. And those people get trained so well, which is why you get a consistently delicious Big Mac every time you go to McDonald's because those people were trained and they were trained really, really well. But for some reason, we do this thing in corporate America where we think that people should just naturally become leaders somehow just by experience and by being on the ground. And experience is absolutely 100% a humongous area of training is just doing it and learning that way. But you also need to train people and show them like the best way to do things and the optimal way for your company. So my advice would be to invest in training people. Um, I would also say that one of the one of the things that can be really hard for companies to do well, but I think is so important for the health of the company, is to also start really empowering managers with transparency around the economics of your company. Um, and I think there's this interesting phenomenon that happens where we really expect a lot out of managers, especially at small companies. We're saying, we want you to be unbelievably excellent. We want you to dedicate hours and hours and hours every week to this role. We expect you to drive high performance. We, we expect a lot out of high-performing managers, and we, we treat them like adults in that perspective. But then sometimes we end up shielding those managers from really important information, like, what does the budget look like this year? And like, how are we doing financially as a company? Like, how are, are we running out of runway? How much more money do we have? How much can we pay people? That, that information gap can be actually quite detrimental to a manager doing a great job. Um, managers should have a little bit more transparency around, and I think founders need to trust their managers with some of the financials of their company so that managers can really feel like owners when it comes to things like coming to their founder and saying, hey, I understand what our runway looks like. I understand what our economics look like. And I'm still requesting this headcount. And I'm still requesting it to cost $150,000 a year. And here's why I'm making that ask of you. Here's the business case. If we don't do that, managers are actually kind of just like cut up at the knees to do um, hiring really well, to do performance management really well. So I think it's very, very hard for a lot of different reasons we probably don't have time to get into, but if we can just get a little bit more transparent with our managers around budget, I actually think you end up with um, much more successful managers. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a very good point. Actually something I've started doing uh, internally on, on my end. And it's, it's uh, something for whatever reason, I just like never really thought of. And I was like, this is actually something that I should be doing because like, how are we going to think about any, like, how can I expect anybody to understand just the overall situation if I'm not painting a full picture? And I think totally. like that a lot of the things I've learned in speaking with other leaders in this podcast, as well as just doing things on my end and, and working with a bunch of clients that prove talent, it's just like the importance of transparency. And obviously, like there's maybe a little bit of a limit to that, but like generally speaking, I think like the more transparent you are in, in a in like an honest way, the bet, the better. Um, so I think that's something that is, especially in an industry right now where it's had its ups and downs and there's been so many negative things that have happened over the past year. 
giving people like that level of just depth of understanding, I feel like is a lot more, you just, you get more out of the people that trust you because you are being transparent and you are not pulling any like shysty things that have wound up blowing up multiple companies or whatever it might be. Totally. And like, it can be quite vulnerable, I think, for founders to kind of like give the keys of the kingdom to their managers when it comes to finances. Um, but I am a big believer that like the only way for a team, a team to become invulnerable is to be vulnerable first with each other. So, and like nothing feels more vulnerable than sharing than like opening up the hood around the finances. But I think it's, um, I think leaders could do a better job of just taking one step in that direction. For sure. Is there anything that I haven't uh, asked about or anything you want to finish off with in regards to any of these topics or what you're up with at, or what you're up to at CoinFund? Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, if we're interested, if you're somebody who um, is fascinated or interested in crypto, um, we have over 100 portfolio companies who are absolutely incredible. I can attest to um, the partnership we have with our founders that they these are visionary, unbelievable founders doing just insanely exciting things to just transform Um how we use the internet, how we interact with the global economy. And if talent out there is interested in making this move, um, it's it's just an exciting place to be. And we have a lot of um, exciting roles open within our portfolio. So we'd love to hear from from talent who might be interested. Awesome. I'll post a link to the CoinFund website. And I'm sure there's a link to all your portfolio company jobs too. So I'll get that in the, the YouTube and podcast description so everybody can access that. Uh, when they'd like. But thank you so much for the time. This was a really great discussion. I think a lot of things that we haven't really spoken about and just the uniqueness of the hiring process and how much it depends on other important aspects of the business that don't always get talked about was very enlightening. Thanks, Rob. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care.